This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by DSC, the Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy, Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable, Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions, Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms, Burnham Brothers Game Calls, the callingest call made, double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now, here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Gary, Steve, Burnham Brothers Game Calls. We're sitting around a campfire blowing smoke in April, and it ain't smoke from a cigar or a pipe. <laughs> no. no, sir, it's not, and it's in Texas. <laughs> it's in Texas, is right. We're actually on the Hargrove Ranch. We kind of gathered up here to... Uh, See what you call. This is an area that I also hunt mule deer in, so I've got a little vested interest in trying to save a few mule deer fawns, and so that's one of several reasons. Of course, you guys do carnivore, and uh, on the uh, uh, pursuit channel, and, and uh, you've got a new call that's fixing to come out for too very long that we've talked about a little bit in the past. But it's, it's been a fun adventure. But it's been one of those years where you guys have dealt with quote unquote weather <laughs> this has been the toughest weather year i may have ever had and it's and i don't care where i where i was it just seems like we we've had more wind this year and then we've had of course we were in new mexico the other day and got in a late snowstorm and then of course then we come here and it hadn't rained in probably a year and <laughs> And now, but we brought them some rain, Larry. You know what? I, I think they really owe us big time to do that. Yes, yeah, they're getting right. some clouds as well, too. But uh, 
in, in those kind of situations, you, you, you deal with all kinds of weather in terms of what you just discussed. You also deal in terms of, of a lot of different types of terrain. And when it, when it gets tough like it is right now, tough being even outside to keep from getting wet, of course, Steve, you're filming to try to get footage for the TV show. You know, what do you guys do? Well, when it gets wet, we don't have any choice. Uh, Steve could tell you that camera doesn't function very well. He could tell you. I mean, we were in that snowstorm the other day, and uh, for the first time ever, uh, that that camera, you know, quit running on us. We turned it on. We had a coyote. I told we had Deb with us, and, right? And so I had my wife and Steve. And so it was a great kind of family outing, and. We had coyotes coming, and Steve goes to power up the camera, and it won't even power up. He said it made a sick noise, and that was it. So, you know, it doesn't do much good to call them in if you're trying to shoot TV if you can't get them on camera. So we, we kind of have to just quit. And uh, uh, so that's that's what we did. And, of course, today we got into the same thing. It, you just kind of have to quit. <laughs> <laughs> to me, there's a time when you when you, you holler calf rope and just kind of build a fire, kind of like what we're doing right here, to, to just get out of the weather a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the call. Now, we had a chance to use it. We did catch a few little pockets of, of weather here where we could actually call, and we did call in coyotes, and we did kill a coyote. Yeah. But th this call we've talked about in the past. Now, you've had it where you've really been field testing it for the, for the last what uh 18 months two years yeah Close it, yeah at least 18 months and uh so you know we have made changes to it uh that we thought improvements that needed to be made uh little glitches that we had with it we wanted to you know get rid of those and so that's kind of where we are we think we've got all of those ironed out now and now uh, we're wanting to put it into production uh if we can get any microchips, as you know, you know, those are hard to come by in this day and time. Unfortunately, every single chip is made in China. And when COVID hit, they shut those factories down and you know, Ford Motor Company and Toyota and Harley Davidson can't get chips either. So, you know, Vernon Brothers for sure can't get them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're just on a longer waiting list, uh, but you right. know, we'll get those. We'll you know, hopefully we'll get the production going. But in the meantime, you do have one or two calls that, oh, yeah, we're, we've been using that you've been using. So again, it gives you the opportunity to really, you know, get some good footage uh, based on them. And, and uh, But for those folks, there may be some people, since we changed the, the title to Campfires, that might not have heard what brought all this about, because the call that you have is truly unique in many, many, many ways. And it's gonna to be tough for somebody to duplicate the, that particular system. So tell us a little bit about what animals can hear and what we can hear and kind of what brought all this about to wanna to come up with that. I'll let you go from there. You okay, tell us. Okay, yeah. Uh, I've been wanting to produce a call that would produce ultrasonics. In other words, those frequencies above what a human can hear. And when we were young, we could possibly hear about 20,000 hertz. That's, you know, you measure 
sound in two ways basically. One is volume, like on your radio, you turn it up on how loud it gets, and it's measured in decibels. And of course the other way is in frequency or hertz. So when we were young, we could hear to maybe 20,000. Hey. <laughs> now we may not be able to hear to 10, but uh, 10,000 that is. Right. But a coyote can hear to 45,000. And a cat can hear to nearly 65,000. Well, if the animals, their food sources, the, the, the stress sounds, prey sounds were not going ultrasonic, there would be no need for this. Right, right. But so to date, every distress sound that we have recorded and put it on the oscilloscope, which is what you use to measure sound frequency, all of those sounds have gone over 40,000 hertz. So this call that we have now will peak at 45 to 47,000 hertz. And the, all of the other electronics calls that have been built since the 1950s when we, the first ones were 78 records. Yeah, exactly. I remember the Johnny Stewart and some of those guys. All of those, yeah. Uh, I mean, cassette tapes and all that stuff. Well, even all the digital callers that are on the market today peak at about 15,000 to 17,000 hertz. And when you go into an area that's not been called much, those things will still work. No doubt about it. I've called thousands of critters. With Absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go into an area, you know, a couple of times with those calls, your success goes to almost nothing. And that's what we were witnessing on country that we hunt quite a lot because, you know, we've hunted some of the same ranches for 30 years. Exactly, and it yeah. got to the point where... We couldn't call a coyote in those places. In fact, most of the time you turn the call on, they'd start barking at you. So, <laughs> like saying, you're kidding, you're back. We you know, know what you're trying to do. The jig is up, and that's exactly what they're saying. Yeah. So, uh, we, you know, so, about, so I had abandoned the use of electronics altogether on those places that had been called a lot. And I went back to my hand calls because the hand calls... A lot of them say the mini blaster, especially, it goes way over 40,000 hertz. Well, I started calling critters again, especially kayak. Right. Same places I couldn't call them with electronics. But now that we've gotten the, the, the new elect, uh, ultrasonic caller out there, we went right back into those places where we couldn't use electronics successfully. And here we have the, the coyotes are responding again. It's an all-new game. But you were dealing with two things there. You had to have something that would record those sounds and then something that would, a speaker, right, that would right. take, so that's two separate entities right two separate, there. In fact, you have to have an ultrasonic recorder in order to record that sound or it will never go ultrasonic. Right. So most of the recorders that are on the market, well, all of them, I mean, no, those aren't ultrasonic recorders. So we had to have a recorder built to record the ultrasonics. And then, of course, we were able to find speakers that would produce ultrasonics. And uh, uh, so it's, it's a whole new game. And then, of course, once we got into it, I, I was thinking, I wanted to do this project over 20 years ago because I knew we were missing something, but we didn't have the technology to do it. And... Uh, once, like I say, once we got that technology, then bam, that's the direction that I wanted to go. Right, right. But then so, you still have to find somebody that knows what they're doing and, and can build these two separate entities that we're right. talking about. Right, and then of course I thought 
you know, if, hey, all we need is an ultrasonic speaker. Yeah. Well, I was wrong <laughs> because, true, they that those speakers handle the higher frequencies extremely well, but they don't handle the real low-end frequencies. And if we want to produce a full-range spectrum of all the sound, Larry, we had to b build a low-end frequency speaker. So we have a low-end frequency speaker and, and, the culture, and the ultrasonics, and then you have to program them in such a way that they work in unisons. So as one phases, as the frequencies go up, the pitch goes up, this speaker phases out and this one takes it. So it's, you know, way above my <laughs> intelligence. But thank God we, you know, we found some folks that can right, help us right. do that. How has, with this call, how has it changed how you approach calling? Or, and Steve, jump in here as well, too, because you're the guy... That he, you're the one who's seeing the coyotes and getting them on camera as well. Too. Have, have y'all changed your approach to hunting coyotes and setting up or anything? I'll let, I'll let Steve answer that one. Uh, the biggest thing for me is going to these places, like Gary said, that we've been hunting 20 some odd years and going in, and for a long time it was not getting near as many coyotes and a lot of younger coyotes, and then going in there now with this and killing old dogs. And old females that have no teeth, and we know their whole lifespan, they've been listening to us. They've been hearing, they've been hearing and, these okay. calls, yeah. Yeah, and they've, yeah. you know, beat us every time, their entire life, and now we're going in there and killing them. And it's just a world of difference. And they're coming a lot more aggressively, um, just as far as them just running over the call, running even past the call sometimes, and it's just, it's a whole new ball game, really, for us. Well, and I think a lot of it is a, is the confidence factor. I, you know, I've told my kids, and you know, if in this life, if, if you set out to do something and you then and there's any doubt in your mind whether or not it's going to work, well, chances are it's not. So that confidence that when you go in and make a call, that knowing it's going to work, I think is very important. Uh, and I really feel that. In fact, we were hunting with some buddies last week in the Texas Panhandle, and I told them, I said, if we can get in and sit down without spooking the coyotes, if they hear it, they're coming. And I truly believe that. I just think it's hard for them to ignore it. So as you've increased the hertz, <laughs> do you think that sound is carrying farther? I don't know that it carries that much further, if at all, but... Uh, but they can hear that difference. They hear the difference. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of the, our sound engineers tells me they really he start hearing it when they get into like four or 500 yards. At a way distance, they may not pick up on that frequency as much. Right. Because it's the closer they get. And I think one of the coolest things that happened was last year, uh, we were on a hunt with a buddy there at Big Spring and all these years of calling, and I've been calling for nearly 60 years, I have never called up a cottontail rabbit. Well, we had gone in there and I started calling with the grown cottontail, which was probably my favorite sound of all. Right, right. As you've heard it the last two days. And nothing responded. So it was an area where I'd called up cats before, so I've had really good success calling cats with that call. 
So I said, well, in case there's a cat hung up here, just maybe I can get him to move if I change sounds and go to a higher frequency. So I went to a baby cottontail recording, and this, this sound was extremely high. In fact, when right after we recorded it and put it on an oscilloscope, it went over 90,000 hertz. Oh, my gracious. Of course, our speakers will still only go to 45, but... I mean, this is a really high But it's to the nth degree, to regardless. The nth degree. Yeah. And when I switched to that baby cottontail, even after playing the grown cottontail that she ignored, here came a mama cottontail flying across the road and went straight to that call and sat down in front of the speaker. And I'll be darned. And what was cool is that we got it all on tape. Yeah. yeah we recorded it. And, and I really think she might have jumped on the call, except I had that feather flopping right there and it intimidated right. her a little bit but she went there was no doubt where she was going and so you know that's kind of you know a small little critter but I think that went a long way in telling me the realism we're producing with this call yes so that's it right or wrong that's what I'm that's my story <laughs> that's sticking to it. <laughs> but it makes sense I mean and it, it does it, make sense it sounds like that's exactly what happened yes and I think and it was you know it was kind of early spring and I and I, I think it was probably pretty obvious she did have babies real close there right right I had called up a jackrabbit years ago in South Texas uh, using a hand call and she came across the field and stopped like right in front of me. And when she sat down, I could see she was being nursed. Yeah, yeah. And it was obvious she was coming to me because she thought I, you know, had a baby. Exactly. Uh, but I had never called a cocktail till the other day. That's interesting. <laughs> that is really, really interesting. That that you talk about telling the true story right there. I mean, that that's exactly what was going. On. It had to have been what was going on. It had to be. And of course, that rabbit can hear those frequencies. Yes. Uh, one thing that I was a little bit shocked, you know, when we got into this game and started studying what animals could hear, I was a little shocked to find that birds don't hear ultrasonics, uh, like the turkey. You know, we always thought, I always thought that, you know, they, it yeah. seems like those higher pitch sounds really excite right. birds yeah. and the gobblers. Uh, but come to find out, I think they hear to around 12,000. It, uh, hurt. Really? Yeah. So they're. They, I, yeah, I would assume that they could hear at least better than what we could. Yeah, actually, you know, at, at a minimum. Well, they hear better than you and I do. Well, that's that. <laughs> again, what did you say? <laughs> and they sure can hear, you know, a, a sound, you know, at a distance. They hear volume extremely well, I'm sure. But, exactly. But they, I was shocked to find they don't hear those frequencies, and it's, you know, I was. And, it, you know, what's really crazy is it wasn't that many years ago there was a call company that marketed a silent dog whistle they were using to cause a turkey to shock dogs. Right, exactly. And so thousands of them. But let me tell you, if, if that bird gobbled after you blew that call, it had nothing to do with you blowing that call. Because <laughs> I promise you, he didn't hear it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I used to get so tickled when have guys come down and have turkeys with us, especially years ago, they were world champion callers and all that kind of stuff with a real tree down the Encinitas Ranch and they'd try to do all, they'd do coyote calls and they'd do try to shock cobble, you know, cause that gobbler to gobble and yeah. nothing and, and they'd go, I can't believe this. I had all these turkeys out here and I'd blow the horn on that truck and I mean, they'd just be gobbled or I'd slam the door, you know, oh, and, yeah. and they'd go, oh, don't do that, you know, and then 
There you go. It would set them off. Yeah, but, it, but it did set them off kind of thing. We, we, we called in some coyotes. There, were, there was a couple of them. That first bunch we called in, first bunch meaning yeah. two, there was a male and a female, absolutely gorgeous reddish kind of male and, a, you know, ripped me one of the more silver-colored females I've ever seen. And they came out of that creek bottom, and, I mean, they came at a dead run. I mean, bouncing around up and down and... and that one of them, he came fast. I think he ran past the call, didn't he? He did. He he just went, you know, he came out of that washing. I'm sure he didn't know exactly where the sound right. was. But he yeah, because that would have distorted somewhat. You're right. Yeah, but he still passed within probably three feet of the call. Yeah. But luckily he went uh, just on the upwind side of it. I think I'd sprayed a little predator death grip there, which right. would have helped anyway. But I think he just went on the upwind side of it. What was strange about that coyote, uh, I told you after it happened, was that coyote, when he was coming up, he was coming so fast and, and he, I didn't move on him because I was like, I wanted Steve to get a little video. Right, right. So I was like, I hope he starts checking up on his own. I didn't want to bark at him and risk you know, stopping and running back because I really didn't know what y'all could see from where you were. Right. Because I'm to the left, and y'all are to my right, and we were probably, what, 15 yards apart yeah. or more. Yeah, the, well, the that's, least, yeah. There's a whole lot of difference in the sight picture there. So oh, yeah. I, I was going to let them roll in there. And uh, but that coyote, it was about the time he rolled right by the call. He made eye contact with me, sitting up on the side of that hill. And when he made eye contact with me, he passed behind a cedar bush there, and it never broke. As soon as he came out, he was looking me straight in the eye again, and he was coming right up the hill at me. And it wasn't until I moved my foot just a little, and well, actually, I think it was my shooting stick, and I rolled a little right. gravel. But he's five yards, I guess, when he stopped. Yeah, he was so close to you, and I mean, he stopped, he was locked up. Yeah. And, and I, I started to swing over, and I would have shot right in front of Steve, yeah. and no way that I was going to shoot that close in front of Steve or in front of you, you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> but it was so strange that that coyote, it was, he made eye contact, and it was like, you don't belong there, and he was coming to me. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't that doesn't happen that often. No, I mean I I was totally amazed. I got I almost got tickled because he reminded me of a, a really good bird dog locking down. I told Steve <laughs> afterwards I expect him any moment to pick up one of his left foot <laughs> or right front and kind of put his tail up in the air. Yeah, he was off because yeah. it did. I mean he just for it wasn't a very long period of time. No, I'd seen longer than what it really was, but he just literally was locked right into you. And, and that, had he been. Ten yards farther out, yeah, I'd have had plenty of time to shoot, fine. and I had the time to shoot, and I'd have had a totally different angle, kind of thing. As it worked out, he ran off, and you yapped at him a little bit, and he stopped, and I yeah. squeezed the trigger. But when I squeezed the trigger, I was just in front of him instead of where I needed to be. If I'd have jerked the trigger, I might have had it. I pulled it to the right, but yeah. no, it's a, it, it's it's a great game, and like I say, we're we're seeing a lot more root aggressive responses right. to call it. And I, and I told somebody the other day, not only are they responding more aggressively, but 
they're more comfortable when they get up around the call. Uh, and I think it goes back to that realism. The, the, exactly, to the realism. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the, the it's a predator death grip, and it's put out by... Uh, Texas Ray. Well, now it's T-R-H-P Outdoors. All right. So they have changed the name to T-H. It used to be Texas, whatever the initial is. Right. T-H. T-R-H. T-R-H, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Texas Ray. T-R-H-P Outdoors is what it is. And matter of fact, the website, I think, is set up that way now. I think Stephanie set it up not too very long ago. But I know that you've been using that product a little while, too. I have. I've been using it for about two years. And, and what I'm doing is... I'm making, I hate to, you know, almost hate to say this, but I'm, I'm setting up at times in fashion I would have never done before. And it's simply because I'm getting away with it. Yeah. If, and, and I'm, of course, this stuff stinks. I mean, you yeah. can test You want to spray that. it down the window if you don't. You, can, <laughs> you do not want this stuff on you. And, and, and it should stink more than you do. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, it will overcome your odor, but I, if you'll notice a lot, I set that call out there and I'll spray just down one to the call. I've, I've noticed that. And I exactly. think that also is a, a, adds comfort to that coyote when yeah. he gets up there and smells that. In fact, I've had coyotes come in and get wind of it, and they'll they'll squat inside. You know, like a male might want to hike his leg or a female might squat, especially if they're a dominant one. So Steve's seen that several times as well. And they would, I've never seen that before. So, you know, we're, we're old dogs, Larry, but we're still learning some new tricks. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, to me, I've told this numerous times that every time I go out with you, I learn something new and learn something different. And that's one of the reasons I so very truly enjoy you oh. and Steve's company, among other things, but it is that learning aspect of every time that we go out, I have learned something. I mean, I've been calling for a long time too, mostly with yeah. the mouth blown calls. That's oh, always yeah. been my favorite kind of thing to do. But, uh, but, but I noticed too, tell me how you decide where to set up. Now, I mean, we drove a lot of country and, and uh, you know, I'd look over and I think, well, that might be a pretty decent place and we'd drive right by it. And then we'd go somewhere and you know, I like this. Yeah. What was the criterion primarily that you were looking for in those instances to determine where we were going to where we were going to call, or maybe we drove through and then we come back the next day to call. Uh, the main thing I'm looking for in this country is is just visibility and a visibility around the call. Uh, yeah, let me let, let's explain some of this situation. There's a lot of big breaky country, like I mean, deep canyons and all that kind of thing along the river, and then there's Shinnok and. Shinnok is a knee-high to about waist-high dense forest, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so there are not a whole lot of places. So now, again, please continue. So, you know, while this is huge, big, vast country, there's not that many spots where you can really... I like to see the ground where I'm calling a coyote. And uh, I, like my old buddy Larry Sim said, yeah, I, I, I like to see his toenails or be able to see his toenails. <laughs> because well, if, you do, if you can't see almost the ground, uh, you know, a coyote's not a big, tall animal. No, no. He'll find a way to beat you in, in any kind of light cover. So 
uh, we're looking for visibility uh, where we can set that call out and then you'll notice you know if if it openings here and the wind say on from left to right right I'm gonna say I'm gonna cheat that call over to the left hand side of that opening therefore I've got a bigger area downwind of that call because a coyote feeds by his nose he doesn't feed by his eyes like that cat does so I know he's gonna go to the downwind you know, depending upon how aggressive he's coming, he may go right to the call, but he's still going to be a foot downwind. Right. Or he may swing out, you know, 20 or 30 yards or 50 yards. And I've seen him in country that's been called heavy. I've seen him swing out there 100, 200 yards going to the downwind. Right. So the bigger air I can keep to the downwind side, I feel like plays into my hand. Well, what you described right there is actually what happened with the coyote that I shot. Exactly. I mean, he he came happened. in at a run to where I'm, he came in yeah. and run, and then he left that way. But he did. He had that downwind wanting to come downwind. downwind. And, and you had to set up so that I could see 200 yards to the Yeah, I hated down. to give you that downwind. <laughs> we used to, te we used to te tease on Larry Sims. We always called him Downwind Sim because he always wanted to take the downwind yeah. side of the collar. But, uh, well, whenever I get a chance, I mean, that comes from years of rattling and years oh, of, yeah. you know, the mouth. I've spent a lot of time looking, but I've I spent a lot of time looking for that downwind circle thing, whether it's with a white-tailed deer or whether it's with a coyote or anything else. Well, that particular coyote that rolled in this morning, he rolled in and actually got a little scent off the call. That's what yeah. spooked him. I tried to stop him before he got there, but I couldn't yeah. stop him. He was coming so hard, and he shied off when he got because I forgot to spray. It was the first call of the morning and I probably was not thinking, obviously. Anyway, I didn't spray anything out there by the call. So he comes in so close to the call, he gets a little stink off of it. And now he leaves out, but I changed sounds on him and it, he still wanted to come. So he swings a little he wider did, yeah. and he yeah. comes out in front of you. Yeah. And that's another thing about using these electron, uh, the ultrasonics is that's not the first coyote that we have called that got wind of us and came back. It came back, yeah. Uh, and I have never, ever seen this before, where you could have a coyote shy off and be able to call yeah, it back. From, in my experience, if they're shy off, it's it, gone. It's gone. You, you know, you may yeah. keep calling, hoping another one comes in, but and in the most, story's told. And in most situations, that's still true. Yeah. Right, Steve? Absolutely. Well, you can tell the story about where we we called right after lunch. Uh, and we've got it on video. Yeah. Uh, tell what happened on that call, uh, the first call of the morning. We had a pair come in, a pair of coyotes. A female kind of went to the far side, and the male, of course, was coming in aggressive up close. She goes on past and, and uh, just keeps rolling. He comes in and hits the scent cone or scent line. And he bounces off of it like he was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> then he goes a little ways and stops, turns around, and comes back for more of it. And I don't know why he would do that. I mean, it doesn't make sense other than just that. No, we had kicked the call down. back on him. Well, no, that one I didn't even spray. I had, I didn't, uh, you know, again, first call of the morning, I'm out real right, yeah. I didn't, I didn't spray pressure death grip on that Right. One. That was just my human scent. He bounced off of it like you expect him to. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
went back, turned the call off, whammy came back again and hit it the second time and bounced off of it. And I hate to even tell what happened next. What happened next? <laughs> uh, he, he sometimes forgets to put a round in the chamber. Safety. Always remember safety. You know. There you go. Yeah, I was overly safe on that one. And what's bad I've done the same thing. Oh my God! I did it again. Just I did it last week uh, with the guys. I had one a coyote roll up to the call. I mean, almost grabbed the call, and I didn't have the shell in the chamber. When I went click on him, he heard that. Yes. In a way. Yeah, they, they obviously their hearing is out of this world, good kind of thing <laughs> as well too. <laughs> We, we called this afternoon, and it was really kind of mist and rain, and it was, I mean, it to me, it was marginal, but we're here, you know, here and here. so you, you try, and it's going to, we know it's going to be a while before we'll be back here to call, so hopefully, you know, if we taught them a lesson that they learned from us, to me, the ideal thing is to teach them a lesson they never learned. I want to come in and kill them right there, right there. And, and not, you know, have a chance to, but in one of the situations we were calling, we were in a fairly thick bottom, thick mesquite. Big old bigger mesquite that you can see underneath, an area that I've rattled at bucks in the past, and I've always wanted to call there, and we never had. Uh, but while we're calling, we had we had crows come in. W what's your feeling about that kind of thing? I love it. I uh, I think that adds to the realism of the of the situation, and uh, and I I think that that let's face it, that crows on the wing or he's sitting on a limb up there and I think he's broadcasting sound out there a long a lot way longer, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's giving a kind of a feeding sound because he thinks he's going to eat when he hears that distress sound you know he thinks it's going to be food time to feed so he's calling his buddies and I think that coyote knows what he's, a sound he's making yes sir and uh, so I love that and, well, and of course in South Texas I love those Harris Hawk and Harris Harris's and and uh, red tails that when they if they fly in there and sit, it's like a better set of eyes than I've got, and they're going to tell me when they see a coyote. Coming. Exactly, and yet it's probably a trusting thing too on the part of the coyote because now there's you know a fairly spooky bird sitting right there, and he's not flying off. Kind no, of thing. Uh, and, and when they you know when they hear that hawk squealing, I think that just reassures him. Hey, you know. He's there. He hadn't been spooked off. It's probably right, good. Right. And of course, there's not much smarter than a crow. When that crow's in there, he's just squawking, carrying on. That that's got to reassure that coyote. When that crow came in, I mean, I'd been watching real close, and I was looking at every little bump because I have seen bobcats in there. And I thought sooner or later I'm gonna look over, and you're gonna see just eyes, ears, maybe the nose, looking <laughs> over a stump. So I mean, when that cat, when that crow came in and started making it. I thought, oh my God, you know, here, there's got to be, something's got to be here. And, yeah, uh, I, I still got to believe something was in the area, but I never could see it. Yeah. And, uh, it, well, it, it was fairly I, tight when you get right down. It's tight. tighter than anything we call, but, and I think maybe we call because I've been wanting to call there for a long, long time. <laughs> I always felt, because yeah. again, I've seen cows and bobcats and the rattled up some bucks right there. Well, and, and ravens are great. Yes. You know, yeah. We don't have that many here, but they, if you were calling like where we were in New Mexico the other day, they were great support. Mm -hmm. Anytime it seemed like most every call we called coyotes, we had ravens come in with them. Uh, and if you're calling in country, we have magpies, they're the best. Oh. 
Yes. They fly right on the coyote. Yeah. You know, you you, yeah. you can see the magpie <laughs> coming. You know where the coyote is. He's under the bird. He's right under the bird. So uh, they, I call it air support. <laughs> bring in the air support. Bring in the air support. You're right. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, there's there's so much more going on in nature than than the average guy doesn't see. Since, since you mentioned there. that, is that one of the reasons that you call mostly? I know for TV as well, too. But is that one of the reasons you call so much during daylight as opposed to nighttime? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 there's things that you can see and, and experience or witness because you wouldn't. You wouldn't pick those up at no, night. No. And number, you know, number and one, gonna, the birds are not going to be there. Not, they're not going to be there no. to help you. Anyway. No. Now you may call it an owl. Right. But he's not. A, he's not a helper. No. Because he's going to fly in there and just sit there. Yeah. And he's going to stare at you at night. <laughs> yeah. In the daytime, he'll kind of look around. You can get an yeah. eye on him and see where he's looking, and he might help you. But I, I love that daytime calling. I mean, that, I haven't called now at night. I can't remember when. No, it's just, it's it's a different game. And I tease my, we got some buddies here in camp that are turkey hunting. And, and I wrote an article, and uh, I don't remember, for one of the magazines. And, and it's in the book, Ice Front, that I wrote. And because uh, people are always wanting me to compare turkey hunting to, to coyote calling. Right. And I said, the difference is checkers and chess. <laughs> you know, Yes. Coyote calling is check is chess. Yes. Turkey hunting is checkers. Yes. And, and I hear people, all of my old buddies, and best friends in the world, say, "Oh, if if a, if a turkey had had a nose, we'd never get him killed." Well, guess what? A coyote's got a nose way better than that turkey ever had, and <laughs> I couldn't even dream to have. Actually, and his hearing is about as well as vision may not be quite as good, but. His brain is, is bigger than that turkey's peanut-sized brain. Many and times. he knows how to use it. <laughs> yes. So that's he's just much more difficult to call than that turkey. Before we close this out, you mentioned the book, which to me is the most fantastic book ever written on that particular subject and the most beautiful as far as I'm concerned. Tell me a little bit about the book and then how can somebody get in touch with you regarding the book but also regarding Burnham Brothers College. Uh, the book, of course, we came out with it, what, last August, I guess, and it's entitled Eyes Front. And the reason we named the book Eyes Front was because that's one of the true characteristics of a predator. His eyes, just like a human, uh, his eyes are set in the front of his skull so that using a system of triangulization, they can judge distance. And that gives him the ability to, to catch his game. Uh, so all of these people that tell you, you know, it's wrong to hunt or, you know, we shouldn't eat meat, this is ultimate proof what God created us to be. And, and we are predators. Yes. And yes. Uh, if you're a prey animal, if we, if we were not meant to be hunters, our eyes would be set in the sides of our skull. About where our ears are. About where our ears are yeah. so we could see, you know, Watch out for that guy that's about to jump on. Right. But no, we're, ours are sitting in front of our skull. So the book is entitled Eyes Front, which, uh, like I say, is a predator characteristic. And uh, it has, I don't know, I think about 10 chapters on calling turkeys because I you know, love that game. And, 
had you know really been blessed to hunt with some cool great yes, people you have. through You've, the years. You have. I'm jealous on some of the guys you did hunt with. <laughs> and uh, then there's I think eight chapters on rattling whitetail, which you love to do. I love to do, and and uh, told a few stories on that. But then most all the book is is dedicated to the to predator hunting and and daytime stuff. Right. Right. Uh, and and of course even you know with the uh, most of it being on coyotes because that's my love. Absolutely. I, I love to call cats too, but uh, coyotes are the ultimate. And the photography is out of this world. Well, thank you. I mean, Steve, well, and, I, I mean, and the entire book is, but the photography is, it's, it's the best as far as I'm concerned there is right now. Well, thank you. Uh, well, a lot of it, well, you know, we brought video, photos from the 4K video that right. Steve shoots. So we could freeze a frame and, you know, use that in the, in the book. And then, of course, the cover shot was by Pecos oh, Hagler and a buddy that we hunted with last week. And, and then, of course, Dave Richards. And you, you did the, the forward in the book for me. And, you know, uh, just, just good buddies really were so nice to contribute to the book for me. So... Well, it, it's uh, a fabulous book, and how can somebody? What's the best way to? Now, uh, if I wanted the book, and I were, if I knew who Gary Roberson was and all that kind of stuff, which lots of folks do because of everything she done in the Carnivore TV show, if I want to say I wanted a, an autograph copy, what would I have to do to do that? Just go on our Vernon Brothers website and uh, vernonbrothers.com, and and you can place an order and then over, off to the side, I guess, Steve will have to tell us that, but uh, I think there's a place where you could, if you want the book autograph, you say to who, and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll do it. Any special words, it has a little deal, you can type in whatever you'd like. In there. We'll, or leave it totally we'll up to you. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, the book has been well received. I've been a little bit, you know, I, I was surprised. I'm not. <laughs> After I saw it, that first copy, I'm going, oh, my gracious. So uh, I don't know. It'll, I, I told, I promised my wife that uh, this would be my last one because that was a lot more work than I thought it might be. There's a lot of work involved. I know. I've, I've written several books in the years past. And it, I, I think I may have one more book in me when it's all said and done. Well... I don't but Miss Deb I, too was was a prime motivator in a lot of ways, instigator. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I promise you, it would not have happened without her, uh, because she kept saying, "You need to write a book," and I was like, "Yeah, I will." We will one, one of these days. <laughs> but I had really no no idea that I'd ever get it done. And then actually, I think probably COVID had something to do with that because we were shut down and. And you we, had you had time. We needed to do something. Right. And, and we were working on the call, but I uh, needed another project. I don't need any more projects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Maybe another book. <laughs> uh, but it's Here been you. good. It's been a great life and a good time in the woods. And a lot of hours have been spent with you. A lot, and hopefully a lot more, and hopefully a lot more with this guy sitting between us right now, and Steve, whose company I truly enjoy as well, too. And I've learned a lot from Steve. But I, but I have to say this. I did see a coyote this time before he did. All right. Is that right? Oh, you booked me this time. You saw two before I did. 
for those of y'all listening, you have no idea what that what that means because this this guy. Steve can, I mean, he sees stuff long before anybody does. And to see that, I, I, I love it. <laughs> and that's probably the last two that I'll ever see before. He does. <laughs> uh, it'll happen again. Oh, yeah. He'll get me again. <laughs> well, I, I'm so looking forward to the next time we do this. We've got a couple of places that we're going to look at. I want to spend a little time with you in New Mexico moving forward. And, there's a couple of places over there that I've gotten access to that we'll talk about in the future as well, too. But again, for the book, for the calls, because I love I love the mouth blown calls. I've I've got one that I carry with me everywhere that I go, and I've got three or four of them that are spares, so that I've, in case I lose that one. So, yeah. but uh, again, tell us the best place to get in touch with you about the book. Maybe learn a little bit more about the TV show, and of course, more about the, the new call that. As soon as we can get some chips sent in, and we're not talking about potato chips, guys. So, as soon as we get some more chips sent in, where those can be available to, to the folks that are available now in terms of books and other calls, but particularly the new one that's coming out. Sure. Uh, just on burdenbrothers.com. And then, uh, of course, we have a, a Facebook page on, uh, I think, Burnham Brothers, and then we have one on Carnivore TV. Uh, well, I'm not real good about social media, but... Uh, in fact, we've got quite a few photos we probably need to put up. Some from this hunt, and uh, uh, but gosh, we'd love to have anybody that wants to get on there. And, and if, uh, I'll do my best to answer your questions. Like I say, I'm not real active on that. I'm a little bit too old to be that active on it, but uh, but I'll try to do better. I'm laughing because I have a, a lady, Miss Stephanie Murphy, that takes care of my Instagram, which is Larry Weiss in Outdoors, and Facebook, Larry Weiss in Outdoors, and. I just created a YouTube page. It's again Larry Wysoon Outdoors, <laughs> and uh, as a matter of fact, on that one, uh, I, I was able to get uh, Gary to give me a few little short tips that will probably end up, uh, not probably, they'll end up there probably about the time this comes out. So we'll add to that periodically as well too. And, and if you can't find any other way, get in touch with me through one of those sources, and I promise you, I will get you in touch with Gary and Burn and Burnham Brothers. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you until we get a chance to do this again, by God. It won't be long. No, we're not going to let that happen be very long, folks. With these rain delays, we'll be back out of here. We may be back before the day's over with, actually. Y'all join us next week right here on DSC's Campfires with Larry Weissin. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to stoke up the fire, and who knows, there may be an adult libation around somewhere that we're going to enjoy sitting around the fire and maybe telling a few more stories. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas raised hunting products, the scent gods, can attract boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord Rescue Travel Protection.